You're listening to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show presented by SuperOps.ai, where we go behind the scenes with today's top MSP owners and experts and get to know what they are really doing to evolve their business. Hi, everyone. I'm Arvind Parthiban. Welcome to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show. Today, we have a very interesting guest at SuperPod. He runs a marketing talk show, and he also runs his own community to help MSPs with the marketing tactics. I'm pleased to welcome Paul Green from the MSP Marketing Show as a very first guest at SuperPod. Hi, Paul. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. I didn't realize I was the very first guest, which is such an honor. So I do appreciate you inviting me on. So yeah, as you said, I do a podcast. It's Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast, which is on all the platforms. And we just talk about marketing for MSPs. It's, it's a niche within a niche, which I think is, from a marketing point of view, is always a good idea. We've got the Facebook group, which actually we've now got more than 1,000 MSPs in. We, we just went over the 1,000 number a couple of days ago. And if you go into Facebook and you search for MSP marketing, you can find that Facebook group. It's only open to MSPs, unfortunately. It's, it's a vendor-free zone. And we also have, I've given away now more than 2,000 copies of my book. The book's called Updating Servers Doesn't Grow Your Business. It's a completely free book. Now, if you're in the UK or the US, we'll physically ship a copy to you for free. And if you're in the rest of the world, we'll send you a PDF. And either way, you can get them on the website. If you just go onto the homepage of Paul Green's mspmarketing.com. So that's pretty much my intro. I've been working with MSPs for, it's coming up for five years now. I used to be a radio presenter back in the day. That was great fun. I did that for 10 years. And then I started my first business, a marketing agency in 2005, sold that business in 2016. And that was when I started working with MSPs. And I must state right from the get-go, I'm not a tech. So my level of technical awareness, if this is the ordinary business owner or manager that you're, you're looking to speak to, and you're up here, I'm slightly here. But I always believe that's my advantage because it means I'm not caught up in conversations about which technology stack should we do or what's the best security solution. I don't know the answer to stuff like that. But what I do know and what I'm going to talk about today is how to find people and influence people and ultimately make sure that it's your MSP that they pick and not one of your competitors. Okay. Awesome. So, Paul, like, let me dive right into the most important question, right? I'm sure you would have answered this multiple times, but you know the world has changed as we know it, right? Everybody, are, the 2020 has been really scary, and the way we operate our business has changed. IT as we know it has changed. MSP as we know it has changed. Even the workforce, distributed workforce, remote working, right? The challenges are new, and everything has to be evolved, right? That's the whole theme of this podcast, right? We have to evolve our game, up our game. So you would have seen new challenges and new opportunities and new ways of doing business. Like, I just want to hear, like, what would be our most exciting top three challenges which your customers or you saw in this last few months and how they have changed and adapted? So I'm really curious to know from your community if there are any stories you can share on new ages, new problems. Yeah, loads, loads of stories. And it's a really, really good question. It's a very hot topic right now because I think it's starting to sink in to many people now that, that what we're going through now is this, we're at the start still. You know, just here in the UK, just now before we recorded this interview, they announced new restrictions. You know, they're trying to avoid a second national lockdown, but it, it seems like we're going the wrong way in terms of the spread of the virus. There's a diktat again to work from home if you can. And, you know, after a few months of relaxation, restrictions are coming back on. And 
I think any of us can look ahead to next year and possibly even 2022. And we can see that the normal, you know, how things were in 2019 is not coming back. Now, I think in terms of how that's affected, oh, certainly not coming back for a few years, how, in terms of how that's affected MSPs, there's almost two camps of MSP, two types of MSP. And a lot of it depends on what was happening. Well, two factors, I think. First of all, what was happening to the business before COVID? And secondly, what kind of energy and drive have you got in the leadership? You see, what we're seeing, and we're seeing sort of lots of businesses falling over here in the UK. I'm sure you are as well. I'm sure everyone is around the globe. We have a salary support scheme called furlough, which is just about to end. And we're expecting to see a whole load of other businesses fall over. And with a couple of exceptions, and you know, you certainly wouldn't want to run a restaurant or a hotel in this kind of economy, but with a couple of exceptions of, of those kind of sectors, the businesses that are falling over now are typically the businesses that weren't doing that well anyway. And certainly what I think we're seeing in many countries is as you've got these support schemes, all they're doing is they're propping up businesses which were already sick. And those businesses are going to die quite quickly. And I think, you know, whether we go into a global recession next year or we don't, who knows what will happen with that. All we're going to see is a speeding up of change within business. And, you know, what might have taken, it might have taken these kind of businesses two or three years to die. It's now going to take these businesses six months to die and they'll be gone. And that creates a space in the market, which, you know, inspires new entrants into the market. It inspires evolution, it inspires new ideas. You know, we, you see this in every recession. If you look back to the, to the last big sort of global recession of 2007, a whole load of old businesses died and a whole load of new exciting concepts cropped up from nowhere. And that's, that's quite an exciting thing. So that's the first factor is, is how well was the business doing? The second factor, as I say, was, was the leadership. And you know, if you are 30 years into a business and you're tired and you were thinking of exiting anyway and your team are a bit tired and the clients are a bit tired and everything's just a bit stable, uh, and not stable, it's just a bit old and fusty, then you haven't got the drive to reinvent yourself. I live in a, in a little village in England, and in our village, there is one business, or certainly one retail business, which is a pub. And that pub could have opened three months ago, and, or two months ago, and it didn't. They've been faffing about and doing stuff, and we don't quite know what they've been doing. And they finally opened two weeks ago, and now there are all new restrictions on their opening. So they've missed out on months of trade, whereas there's another pub in the next village that was literally open. Well, they never really closed. They were doing deliveries. They sort of flipped straight over to, I mean, we've, we've all heard the word pivoting. They pivoted really quickly. They started delivering food. They started opening in a marquee in their car park, which they could do. A second they could get people in, they were, and it was they were all ready for it. And that's, that's a really good example of the difference between kinds of businesses. You've got businesses with dynamic leadership, full of drive, like you guys, you know, just watching what's happening, saying, come on, let's do this. Let's do something different. Those businesses always survive and often thrive. But businesses where, you've, you know, you've got MSP owners, they're, they're just like, they're just a bit tired. And they're like, oh, another change, another change. Here's the thing. If there's one consistent in, in the world of technology, what is it? It's change. Exactly. You know, this entire business is built on change. What IT companies were doing seven years ago was completely different. You know, yep. break fix into MSP and now moving forward into MSSP. It's a complete thing of change. The difference is here, the change is sped up. Now, some of my clients 
are loving this right now. And, and I will, I, mean, I must say, because I don't want to come across as heartless, I'm really sorry if your business is suffering. You can change and you know, MSPs can change and can do something about it. And a lot of it comes down to the actions that you take. But some of my clients are adoring this right now because they are winning clients who were not treated very well by their incumbent MSP back in March, April, May time. And those clients, uh, and not all of them, but some of those clients who made a decision back in March, April, May, do you know what, we're done with our IT support company. Some of those people are now taking action on that decision. I say some because it's only a small number. In fact, I believe throughout the rest of 2020 and pretty much the whole of next year, we're going to see what I have called the great big client grab, which is where people leave MSPs that they've been with for 5, 10, 15 years. And we all know that MSPs benefit from massive, massive retention, which is great, but that retention is really going to be tested now and in the year ahead. So if you've looked after your clients in the last six months and you've serviced them properly or over-serviced them and you've set them up properly, genuinely properly for remote working and you've talked to them about any projects that they might need to move to the cloud properly so that anyone can work on any device anywhere, then you've really got nothing to fear. In fact, you, you will be rewarded with greater retention. Whereas if you haven't looked after your clients, you've done the basics, you know, you haven't cleared ticket logs down, you weren't there for them in March and April when they really needed you, and you're still behind on stuff and people aren't really set up properly for remote working, those are the MSPs that are going to lose the clients. It's interesting, isn't it? It, The businesses need MSPs more than ever, right? Now that the workforce is distributed, they're everywhere. They They need you as the extended team. And I would say that desperate times, we need to come together and work together, IT or MSPs together, right? So as you said, put very well about the pub, which you said, the product didn't change, right? The product is the same. They sell the same beer and the the food, the delivery mechanism changed, right? That's a leaf which we can learn from because your services is not going to change. How you're going to deliver it is going to change and you have to evolve and adapt accordingly. So it's really brilliant. You're absolutely right because demand for IT went up. In, in March, April. And the more the more change there is, the more it goes up. I mean, this has been, some of my clients have been saying to me, this has been great for them because the things they've been saying to their clients for a number of years, such as getting away from the on-prem server, moving genuinely to the cloud, proper remote working, safe, secure, you know, data security, all of these things. Suddenly people are taking this seriously and they've been saying it for three, four years. And it's like, yeah, we'll get onto that. And now they really want this stuff and they're generating big projects, which is, which is just wonderful. So demand is going up and you're absolutely right. It's a case of being hungry enough and energetic enough to look and say, where is the change coming? What can we do to get ahead of that change a bit? And here's the thing as well, in any marketplace, there's so many IT support companies, but yet there's also so much work for the majority of those IT support companies. So you don't even need to be the very best in the marketplace. I mean, everyone wants to be the best in the marketplace. The reality is most aren't, but you don't need to be the best. You just need to be up there in the top third or even in the top half, and you will survive this. In fact, you could even thrive through this because it's the ones at the bottom that are, that are going to lose out. Perfect. So this uh, follow-up question on what you said, right? So I've always sent this. I'm a guy who's been in uh, IT space, the IT service management space for almost 20 years. And I've always seen that IT adapts new technology, adapts new, like be it AI or cloud, it comes first to the IT and then MSP follows it, right? So I always had this question, like, why is there delay in adapting technology or things like that? And one thing what you said that's very interesting is 
now are we really being pushed to adapt best in class technologies like i'll give you a small example ai ops is like been spoken in the it industry for almost a year right ai ops infrastructure layer service management and so on like msp never spoke about ai ops do you think now we will adopt ai ops and ai is going to be a buzzing word <laughs> so you remember earlier on i said i'm not a tech and that is so close to being a technical question, but let me answer it from a marketing point of view. So I can't, I can't talk about specific adoptions of specific technologies. What I can talk about is ultimately adoption. When we're talking large corporations, that's one thing. But if we're talking sort of av- average businesses, you know, you're, you're 10 to 50 to 100 user businesses, which make up the bread and butter of, of most of the MSPs that certainly I talk to and, and most of the MSPs I think around. What drives adoption is their willingness to pay for this stuff. So you can have an MSP that brings on board a technology that's very passionate about that technology, but ultimately, if the end clients won't put their hands in their pocket and pull out their credit cards to pay for it, that technology is not going anywhere. And I have MSPs I speak to who, you know, have pushed and pushed and pushed their clients to get them fully into the cloud. And the clients have pushed back and pushed back and pushed back because they'll say things like, but you see that box over there with the blinking lights? Well, we've had that for, we've only had that for seven years. And, you know, we thought thought we'd get another three or four years out of it. So we'll, we'll stick with that. Thank you. And that's ultimately, I think, what you're up against. I see what I'm saying. Sorry, let me get into your area of expertise, right? So now that... People are all staying in. Events are not happening, right? Marketing, as we know it, has changed. Everything is virtual. Like, what do you think is the advantages of this kind of marketing with virtual and things and disadvantages? Do you think this will go back to normal? What What is your expert opinion on it? That's a really interesting question. And I have no idea if and when things will go back to normal. Because If I did know, I'd be making my, my fortune uh, <laughs> predicting that as a futurologist of some kind. What I do know is that we're very lucky this happened now and not 20 years ago, because we have not only just a mature internet, but we have a mature internet and every single possible digital marketing tool we could ever need. You know, you, you are restricted by your imagination, not by the tool set. There are tools out there that you can essentially rent for $20, $30 a month that right down to them, there's a tool that will show you videos of people using your website. This is a tool called hotjar.com. And the first time I came across Hotjar about three years ago, it was like it was witchcraft. It's like, well, hang on a second. You, I mean, you don't see the people that are using your website, but you can see what they did in your website. And, and I mean, that's just one example of one particular tool, which you, which you say you can acquire for $20, $30 a month, whatever it is. The digital marketing tools and the, the ease with which we can do digital marketing has made up for the fact, I think, that we cannot do a lot of stuff in the real world as we used to. And, you know, events have always been a bit hit and miss, really. It depends on the events. It depends on who's attending. depends on, on you know, I've done trade shows. I, I must have spent $200,000, $300,000 on trade shows over my business owning career. And I've done trade shows where we've, we've spent tiny amounts of money and got great results. I've done trade shows where we spent $20,000 on a on a show and got terrible results because the wrong people were there. So they can be very hit and miss, you know, networking events. The thought for me of never having to go to a networking event again actually makes me happy. But I realize it would make other people unhappy because that was their marketing. I think a lot of this, and and I used that word pivot earlier, a lot of this is about pivoting your marketing and saying, look, we've got LinkedIn, we've got email, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram if you want to reach businesses that also reach consumers. We've got all of these digital marketing platforms. We've got amazing tools on them. We can use all of these 
but we must also use some of the offline stuff as well. And I think the very best marketing mix these days is a mix of all of those marketing things, but you're using offline stuff such as sending things in the post or better still, picking up your phone and calling people. Those two things are the things which actually get the best results. What's interesting is the more digital marketing stuff you can do before you post something to someone or before you pick up the phone, the, the better the results. In fact, there's a book by Dr. Robert Cialdini, who most people will know as the author of Influence, which is the, I think it's a 1984 book or early 90s book on the, the six weapons of influence. So he coined the phrase social proof and he coined, you know, the power of reciprocity and the power of authority and scarcity and all of those kind of things. He did a follow-up book about three years ago, which is called Presuasion. Now, I can't actually recommend Persuasion. I love Influence. It's a great book. Persuasion, I didn't get on with. But essentially, the, the message from Persuasion was what goes before affects what comes after. So if you pick up the phone and it's a cold call and you're just calling someone off a database, you're going to get pretty average results. Call enough of those people and eventually you'll get someone to, to book a sales meeting with you, but pretty average results. Whereas if you've been connected to someone on LinkedIn and you've got them to join your email newsletter and they've seen, let's say, just one post a week that you've put on LinkedIn, and they've seen you send them an email every week and they open one in three or one in four. And then you're targeting them with a Facebook advert. And then you send them a message on LinkedIn. And then one day they get into their home or their office and they pick up their post and there's a letter from you or a postcard or something like that. And then two days later, the phone rings and yep. we call this a multi-touch point marketing campaign. The chances of you actually getting your desired outcome, which is a 15 minute sales meeting or whatever, the chance of you getting that outcome is so much higher because all of that stuff that went before has affected what comes after, which is the phone call. So this is where I think the opportunity is, is to take all these digital things and mix them up with some of the older fashioned offline stuff. And that's a really good blend of stuff. That's interesting. The multiple touch points and have a personalized, even send a postcard, even a well-written postcard, personalize them. That's brilliant. Nice. Thank you. So, <laughs> and it's, basic, no, it's basic marketing. This is what 20 years ago, you, okay, take all the digital stuff out. That was all you had. You know, in the year 2000 or the year 1990, you had that and you had putting an advert in directories and advertising on radio and advertising on TV and newspapers, but that was all you had. And the costs were absolutely prohibitive, whereas these days we've got some very, very cool tools. The problem with the cool tools is they're cheap and they're easy to use. And because they're cheap and they're easy to use, everyone is using them. So any MSP, when they start their marketing, they're like, oh, right, great, I'll do a bit of LinkedIn, send out a few emails, and then they wonder why there's, there's nothing happens from it. It's because actually everyone's doing a bit of LinkedIn and sending out some emails. You, you've just got to go just a little bit further. And I think you know, sending stuff in the post, picking up the phone, that's that step further, which can make a real difference. No, I totally agree. You know, one time we did something similar in our past company where instead of sending cold emails, we shipped a box of chocolate Beautiful. which was engraved with the company name, right? Like imagine you send thousand emails to and then get a one percent open rate. Instead, be thoughtful, genuinely you want business from them. Even even if they don't do business with you, they're gonna remember you for your act, right? So we sent a chocolate with their name engraved and saying that. Thanks for remembering us from the event. And they wrote a blog about us. So yeah, the beautiful. personal thoughtful things go a long way. I agree with you. Totally. <laughs> right. So let me do a quick rapid fire round with you. Mm. Right. So think of the five things which come to your mind when I say, okay, so 
you have to pick msp or an any vendor if you think of this particular word everything related with marketing right so if i were to say best website which now you this that's the most difficult question you've asked me so i'm not going to name i have a, a policy of never talking about vendors marketing and right. okay, privately or publicly because some of it is so it's not relevant to helping msps best website i can't give you a url so i have five websites that i give to my clients and the reason i'm not going to give you urls is they're they're other clients of mine and there's none of them have the perfect website but what they have is a series of elements that make good websites if i give you very briefly what those elements are First of all the website is for people and it's warm and it's emotional and it doesn't talk about technology it's not about technology unless you're selling to unless you're doing co-managed IT and you're selling to internal IT managers the technology is irrelevant it's about people it's about warmth it's about emotions because the average business owner or manager is not making a buying decision with this they're making it with this so it's warm it's friendly it's got a video on there and the video features testimonials from clients and perhaps there'll be some other videos down the page with more in-depth case studies we're talking 60 second video of testimonials maximum 2 minutes per case study of a case study there's pictures of the team there's data capture on there their live calendar is embedded in there using calendly or microsoft bookings which is part of 365 social proof even more social proof more testimonials more reviews what else would you have on there Oh, and character and personality—that's the other thing. One of my favorite MSP websites to look at—it's a specific theme. It's—it's it's like a sci-fi theme. And if the owner had said to me, "No, I didn't know him when he was first developing this website," but if he had said to me, "Hey, I'm thinking of putting together a website based on a sci-fi TV show," I would have said, oh, "Are you mad? That's the worst thing you can do. It's so geeky and techy." But actually, the way they've implemented it using cartoons is so. well done and they've committed themselves so thoroughly to that theme that it just works and they've branded their building in the same brand and they've branded their cars and everything they do just fits within that branding of of the sci-fi technology and it works very well and it gets a lot of attention in their area and their website is a great example of a website that has a good theme and has a good personality in fact it's quite a it's what what I, in england we would call a marmite website so marmite is yeast extract i don't know if you if you're familiar with marmite they call it vegemite in in australia and i don't know what it's called the rest of the world but it's the kind of thing that you try it and you either love it or you hate it and okay. in fact there was a 10 year advertising campaign for it in the uk that marmite you love it or you hate it and the best kind of website is a marmite website where you look at it and you you instantly warm to it and connect to it or you like Oh no, this isn't the right solution. You want that. You don't want your website to be everything to everyone. You you want people to have a distinctive opinion about yes or no. Nice. So, what would be your one marketing pet peeve? Doing a bit of marketing and then stopping. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah, just just doing, oh yeah, we we did social media for a few weeks and it didn't work. you know well, no, no marketing works if you just do it for a couple of weeks and stop. To give you an idea, so I have four staff four full-time people that work for me and then I have a, a, a massive network of freelancers and people via Fiverr and whatsoever and still I have two of my four staff their job is marketing our business I still spend 50% of my time marketing our business now I appreciate we're a marketing business but we've got a huge momentum but still we dedicate enormous amounts of time to our own marketing and that will continue because you have to kind of not think of yourself as an MSP but you are the marketer 
of an MSP. So if we, if we assume that you're really good at what it is that you do, then you're always going to keep improving the product and you're always going to keep improving the customer service because that's where your passion lies. But when do you improve the marketing? When do you keep going with the marketing? And the MSP clients I have who are getting the most success are doing marketing every single day. It's as simple as that. And it might only be an hour a day, but that's all you need. You know, you don't need to spend all day every day doing it. Just one hour a day, every single day working on marketing eventually pays off in terms of more leads, more prospects, more clients. That's right. So then if you were to recommend a blog or a book, what would be your favorite blog or a book? Well, apart from my blog, obviously, and my book, which is free <laughs> at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. No, there are so many good books. The best book, the best overall book for an MSP would probably be The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And it's not written about tech companies, but it could be. It's about selling B2B services. And it's, it's, it's the right blend of marketing and selling. And unfortunately, Chet Holmes passed away a few years ago, quite young, relatively young. I think he was in his 40s or early 50s, which is such a shame because the book is one of those that you can reread and reread and reread. And each time you just get new things out of it. So that's an incredibly good book. Another one, B. Another one. Oh, oh, oh. They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. That would be another one. So this is a book about content marketing. For such an iconic book, I only, I only read that this year myself. I've, been, I've had it for years and just never got around to reading it. And it answers, it sets out a direction for content marketing for your online presence. In fact, we're shifting our entire content marketing strategy to be more in line with They Ask You Answer. And it's essentially, it's about identifying what people are thinking and, and what they, what they want to know about the stuff that you sell. And then you answer those questions in very long form content on your website. And you, you have complete transparency and openness about your services right down to pricing. You know, until this year, I was always telling MSPs, don't put your prices on your website. And now I'm saying you do put your price on your website. But if I was to say to you, how much is IT? You'd say, well, it depends. That's your answer. Your challenge is then to write, you know, 2,000 words around it depends and, and to put it on the website. It's all explained very well in, in They Ask You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. Great book. Right. So just coming back to the theme of the podcast, Evolve, if you were to give one piece of advice to all the MSPs to evolve during this, what would be that one piece of advice? You've asked some really good questions today. Some really, really good questions. One piece of advice to evolve. I think you've got to not be you've got to strike the balance between not being distracted by the shiny new things but looking at trends of how things are changing take linkedin you know linkedin has been around for years but under microsoft's stewardship it has become the number one b2b prospecting tool i mean it is the most powerful database and it's you know it's even on the free version you, you can access so much. You can access via virtually anybody in the world and, and try to engage them in conversation. And that kind of snuck up on people. So I think the challenge is to look at what's happening in general marketing terms and look at what people are doing and say, by the time that you get to know about it. So I, I get to know about all the cutting edge stuff of which there's a ton of stuff and most of it just ends up by the wayside, but you're kind of always looking for trends. And I think by the time you hear about something, you have to look at it and say, right, how could we use that within the business? How could we fit that into our current strategy? And the strategy for any MSP should be to build audiences of people and then build a relationship with those people and then use marketing campaigns to commercialize that relationship. So for example, right now, 
you know, the average MSP I work with will have an email list. It might only be a few hundred people, but they'll have a LinkedIn connections of, let's say, a thousand people. Those are their two audiences. They've got an audience on LinkedIn and an audience on email. And then they build a relationship with them by drip feeding content. So they would send out an email a week to their email list and they would send out one piece of content a day on social media. And that's building that relationship. That's a great strategy. And if tomorrow a brand new social network arrived, let's say TikTok for business launched tomorrow, which is, I can't imagine that happening, but let's say suddenly it became a business tool, you'd slot TikTok into that. You wouldn't have to change your entire strategy. You have to be careful not to be distracted by shiny new things, but you'd just say, okay, we can go and build an audience on TikTok now, but we can do exactly the same strategy. The difference is the content we've got to drip for TikTok is video-based because that's all that TikTok is, a video platform. But you know, the, what wouldn't change is the third step, which is commercializing that. And that, again, it comes back to the old-fashioned thing of you pick up the phone and you give people a call. And there will be, you know, you could say that Zoom or Teams calls are the modern equivalent of that, but ultimately it's still forming a one-on-one connection with someone and moving the relationship forward. All marketing, all selling is and will continue to be for our lifetimes about building relationships with people because people buy from people. They don't buy from businesses they buy from people. So we've got to build relationships with people. And we start on a big scale using these big platforms by building relationships with multiple people in one go. But then as the relationship moves forward, we're kind of bringing it in together, right down to one human talking to another human on the phone. And that's when the magic happens. And as I was saying earlier, all the other stuff that you've done beforehand just makes life easier when you get to that point of having that one-on-one conversation. That's very well said. The world has changed. Technology changes, mediums changes, but end of the day, it's the relationship and people and the business happens between people. It's very well said. I have one last question. If you want someone, an MSP owner or an influencer in this podcast, who would you recommend? I'm going to ask this question to everybody who's going to speak in us. Like, who would you want us to interview next? And who would you want us want to be part of this podcast? That's a really good question. And the problem I've got picking someone is I've done 46 episodes of my podcast and every single guest on there was wonderful. I've not had a bad guest on yet. So I'm going to pick out someone who I believe is becoming more and more influential in our world. Whereas I deal just in the niche of marketing with MSPs, he's a former MSP owner and he sold his MSP a few years ago and has taken all the things that used to frustrate him about MSPs and has built himself up a community. And it's a community of, I don't know how, how many people are there, but I know it's, it's, it's well over a thousand MSPs and his name is Nigel Moore and the community he runs is the Tech Tribe and it's an international community. I'm part of it. And I supply Nigel with with some of his marketing materials that he gives to his members. And I think Nigel has built an invaluable tool for the average MSP owner who, because let's be honest, it's, it's a very lonely job being a business owner. You know, I'm a business owner too, especially with lockdown when we're stuck in our homes and we can't get out to our offices and talk to our people. It can be a very, very lonely place to be. Even if you are surrounded by people, as the business owner, it's a very lonely job. And I think Nigel has done a great job of pulling together resources to do that. So I thoroughly recommend you get Nigel Moore onto your podcast. I'll definitely reach out to him and I'll, I can't wait to get him on the next podcast. And really loud, enjoy, I loved and enjoyed the conversation with you today, Paul. And thank you for being with us. And thanks once again for being part of this podcast. Thank you for having me on. <laughs>